Hi, everybody. It's me, Katie Soros. It's me, Hey Good. Um, hi. Welcome to Infinite Quest. I assume you're. It's episode one. I assume that you're just joining us for the first time. You maybe probably, you're here for a re-listen, and this will be a pleasant surprise. Yeah, maybe you listened to like the sex episode or something, and you're like, oh, what's up here? And then you went back to the beginning, and so you might notice that the tone of this episode is very different and looser and all that than the other ones, because this was the very first episode we ever recorded when we just like got on zoom and started talking about stuff. Yeah. And so we literally just got done uh, editing and fancifying and musicking and, and trailering episode 25. And so we wanted to let you know that if you're just joining us, um, you can skip this one, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it has character. It's got this, this it's episode got is sort of the origin story of how Infinite Quest came to be. Um, but we want to let you know that we sort of really hit our stride around episode three. Yeah, um, that's so. the first one where we had our first guest and all that stuff. If you're here, great. Um, we had a lot of fun. We love this episode because it's sort of part of our history. It's yeah. one of the first conversations that we ever had together. Yeah, it's kind of like the very first episode of the simpsons when all their heads were like kind of weirdly shaped like the pilot when you're just sort of like what's up with this what's going on here think of it like that like a funny shaped simpsons type episode yes so this is our funny shaped simpsons episode and so we just wanted to let you know that if you're sort of confused and you're like why does their auto audio sound like garbage and they have obviously no idea how to have a podcast we get better yeah i, I think so too. and also i'm gonna i'm gonna redact i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna correct i think episode three is our first real That's deal. Literally episode. what I said. Did you say four? No, I said three. Oh, you said three? I said three. Then I agree with what Katie said before. <laughs> Put me on the record. Um, so yeah, anyway, we just wanted to let you know uh going in because I don't know, we got kind of self-conscious about yeah, it. Yeah, we I did. Guess. We just we got met, collectively we, self-conscious. We might have overthought it a little yeah. bit. So, anyways, enjoy episode one. I feel like now pilot. episode one, the squishy Simpsons episode. The squishy. <laughs> Is this a bad time to tell you I've never seen The Simpsons? Jesus Christ, really? I've never me, seen an episode me, of The me Simpsons. Me neither, actually. I really? Think of it, yeah. Weird. Enjoy the show. So then I was like, and that is exactly how Brian Dennehy and I saved Christmas. Oh, wish you were there. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Welcome to episode one of Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest for Attention podcast. In this episode, I quiz her on Shakespeare for a little bit. We talk about meter and whatnot. Then we get a little serious and we talk about our history of diagnosis and what it was like to embark on our journeys of being people with ADHD. And there's a whole thing. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, If you would like to support our efforts in doing this and, and just give us more time and energy and whatever to, to, to keep producing this kind of stuff, um, please consider donating to our Patreon, um, Patreons, um, it would be great. Anyways, please enjoy. I mean, you know. So here's a question. Here's an answer. This is our first recording session yeah, for Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest for Attention, episode one. I shoot my Do you feel an immense amount of pressure to say very smart things? Yeah, I've been listening to the um, the eighty the the attitude magazine, but they capitalize ADD, so I wanted to say ADD-itude, but that's dumb. And also ADD is an antiquated term, so like they kind of committed to the name of their magazine before like the dust had settled. Not that it still has settled, but but anyways, yes, I do. I had like a whole I have like a whole list of like cool like ha things I can say. They'll come up. Did you just make 
Did you just make a list of punchlines? No, 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 no. Those get. St- did you? <laughs> no. Katie, but Katie. if you, I didn't. I really didn't. But I thought I was going to say, if you did, you should just read the punchlines off now. Oh no! And then when we we circle back to them later. Well, I, got, I have a copy of my resume right over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do, actually. Like, like, like faux punchlines to me are like the height of comedy. What just so, like, punchline out of context? Yeah. So like, you know, if I'm at a party or somebody and somebody's like walking over, I'm like, okay, guys, just like go with me. And I'll like, wait. And then I'll be like, and so I said, Pavarotti, I meant ravioli. And then everybody goes, ha 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 ha. And then like, that's, but it's like, I don't know why, but I think that's like the funniest shit in the whole world. That was a really smart punchline. That was a really, you dropped a little, uh, little three tenors reference there. That was nice. I mean, look, I'm a, like, I'm not a, embarrassed to admit I like opera. I like classical music. I like. That's it. Those are the only two things that I've ever done. <laughs> I knew as soon as you started that list that you didn't think of a third thing. And it's okay. I, I've done that like three times today. There was the, the first time I didn't think of a first thing that time. That didn't work. Also, did you do something with your hair? You did something different to your hair. I combed it. Yeah. Cute. You said I'm cute? No, I said j'accuse. Oh, j'accuse. Yes, you did. What? Wait, that wouldn't that mean that I accused you? But you no, were... I was accusing you of doing something different with your hair. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you I, it. I was speaking of French. Just je, like that would be I accuse, right? I je is I, so it'd be like j'accuse you, j'accuse. Yes, I did. Well, what's funny is I. So when I sit down at my desk, my desk is a fucking wreck. And also, how, what are we going to do about swearing on this thing? Are we just going to say swearing's fine? I feel like we're probably okay to swear. Like, it depends on how, like, like, because, like, I'm, I, I, at some point, perhaps, we're going to talk about something educational. In which I mean, I want. we can hope. We can what? I said we can hope. Yeah, <laughs> we can hope. But, uh, I, I don't know, I, I already lost my train of thought. Uh, you're, you're, at some point, we're going to talk about something educational. Right, but then before that, oh yeah, so my deck is like a fucking rest, that wreck, that's why I thought of that, because I said fucking wreck, which it is, and so I only ever get the inclination to clean it when I open a Zoom meeting, so like I have Zoom therapy every Tuesday, and that, because I need, obviously I need something to do while it's happening, um, and so like I'll just go, oh yeah, totally, and I'll just like start like subtly putting stuff away and like doing all the thing. so while I was in the waiting room with For You, which by the way, it was like three minutes, I did a bit before I did about the holy, look at the holy WD-40 behind me. I've been touched by an angel. <laughs> Chosen WD-40. Um, while I was t- like putting all my little stuff away, I found the one comb that I own, which gets lost because I never use it. And so, oh, speaking of educational, uh, ADHD people exhibit what's called utilization behavior. Have you ever heard of that, Katie? I, why don't you talk about it, Eric? Well, I want to know that you have, because I want to, I want to have it. I don't want to just teach people stuff. I want to know that I know something that you don't. That's like. I mean, I have heard of utilization therapy, but I bet the people Fuck! listening. Oh, no. Not you told me about it. You were the person who taught it to me. We oh, already okay. had this conversation. Okay. Well, thanks for preserving my ego. But you it's know, okay. That was you. You did introduce me to the concept. I never heard of it before. And then I like read about it after you told me about it. Oh, well, it was after I did the, uh, the fidgeting video um, yeah. a while ago. Um, Because I thought utilization behavior was some technical term for 
the behavior of the, the active fidgeting. It's not, it's a different thing. Um, but utilization behavior is basically um, when we, we is, is, the, is the behavior of when you see an object, you want to use it for its intended use. Like you get the impulse to use it. So me seeing a comb, I was doing something completely not related to combing my hair, but me seeing a comb put my brain in like comb mode for a second, like that, like combing your hair. And so I immediately just like grabbed it and started combing my hair. Like that happened like less than 10 minutes ago. Um, so utilization behavior is basically um, your brain wants to use something for its purpose when it sees it. So seeing a toothbrush and immediately getting your to brush your teeth and whatnot. It's, so it's pretty uncommon um, just generally, but it is uh, more common in people with ADHD. And I've never really like noticed it in my own life, but uh, I guess it just happened. Which is which is strange. So there you go. I have which is, one. But then I I wonder then how that interacts with like I need to have everything out. Like I can't have like the special box where I keep the thing. It's like I have to be able to see the thing, or I will never find that. Like this thing. Like this. Wait, where did it? It's gone. Wait. Oh no, I see it. <laughs> On brand, on brand. That was that was some peak. That was just embarrassingly accurate. But like this thing, like I have this stupid little thing, and it's like the converter, so I can plug my headphones into my phone. And this fucking stupid piece of shit thing, I have bought like nine of these because I keep losing them. And mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, so what I did is the the um this this very kind person they they gave me this bag and it's clear oh. and so now i can see it and it stays in the bag and it's clear and i can oh. see it and it's the best thing and so it has a place that it lives but then i'm like but then it's like if i see it then i'm like do i need do i need to use it you know and so then it's like it's weird it like conflates in my brain that's fun. Like, that was, I did. I was given. Well, for one, I've I know a, a a a truly statistically unreasonable amount of people who have worked at Apple stores, and uh, those things are commonly referred to in the Apple community as dongles. D o n g l e dongle. Um, dongle. However, the administration people, the the corporate have now sort of banned the use of the term dongle to to refer to those things just because it sounds dirty. It isn't. Okay. It doesn't mean anything dirty, but it totally sounds dirty, which I think is funny. It's like this totally subjective, like understanding of the term as dirty scans so much so that they had to ban like a meaningless term. Wasn't there like a commercial though where it was like a like a double double dangle dongle? Do you know what? I, do you remember that? I mean, yeah, I feel. I swear there was like a commercial where it was like a double a double dongle or something. Come on, Eric. So, well, so just speaking of dongles, so I have these drawers, <gasps> which are great, which by the way, ADHD tip, get one of these motherfuckers. I, I have an obsession with tiny drawers. Oh, they're great. Like, I love tiny drawers. Like my grown up adult life's goal is to own a full size library card catalog, like a, oh. like an antique one, Dude. because it's what I want to use to like organize like all my sewing notions sorry i cut you off go ahead you, know, you just, have drawers when I, oh, oh, oh sorry yes uh uh library catalog cards first just ask me to ask me to find my dongle just ask me to eric find your dongle incredible right and you know what how i knew it was there because it's labeled dongle <laughs> 
I don't know if that's back. Dongle. No, it's right. It's forward. Well, all those strange little things that usually go in like a disc or like in a little, 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 little cat lapping up milk dish, blah, 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 like, you know, the little things that you throw coin change in and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's where that ends up, where those, where it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a whole location for one tiny little thing, so you just kind of throw it in the, in the, in the detritus, the flotsam and jetsam dish. Um, that was an obscure reference. Um, <laughs> nautical terms, flotsam and jetsam. You ever heard that term? Before? I thought you were making a Little Mermaid joke, but that's fine. Are the words flotsam and jetsam in the Little Mermaid? That's the name of the eels. Like Ursula's pet eels are flotsam and jetsam. Oh, no way! Yeah, it's, it's in the it's in the song. She goes flotsam jetsam. Now I've got them, boys. Your boss is on a roll. <laughs> He's poor. Uh, un, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm Black sure this is the whole thing. I kind of want you to. I don't kind of want you to. I wanted to while I was saying that, but while I once I said it, I realized I didn't want you to. But I'm very it's impressed. Okay. I'm like 50% impressed and 50% concerned. Um, um, we're going to edit this part out. I remember what I was oh, flotsam and jetsam are the terms um, if a ship is sinking and you need to lighten the ship, like make the ship less heavy. Um, flotsam and jetsams are the things that you would throw off the ship to make it less heavy and therefore sink less quickly. And so flotsam and jetsam is sort of terms for like things that you like just shit, like fucking just stuff, you know, get rid of like who cares. Flotsam and Jetsam. Fun fact, um, in GTA 5, in the GTA universe, which, by the way, I've, I've played hundreds and hundreds of hours of the GTA. I don't want to talk about it now. Um, but all every single, something I really admire about the series is every single thing is sort of a joke, like is, is like satire. So right. the branding of every, everything, like the amount of writers that they employed for these things are incredible. But the, the, the name of the shipping company, like if you go to a shipyard, one of the names of the shipping company is um, Jetsam, J-E-T-S-A-M, Jetsam, um, which sounds like a shipping, like like Pan Am, Jetsam, but it, it means stuff that would fall off, that you would throw off a, off a ship, but in their shipping containers. I thought that was so clever. Like somebody thought of that and they're like, wow, I nailed that one. And indeed they did. It's amazing. But anyways, you really definitely I suddenly have those decided that what I need to know more than anything else in the entire world is whether or not the word flotsam appears in Shakespeare. I don't think it does, but I'm going to look anyway. Are you thinking? Because now I'm, now I'm I want to know. Think of Falstaff. There is no use of the word flotsam in Shakespeare. Just so you know. Is there just None. a. I imagine that there is some massive compilation, like the complete works of Shakespeare that you can actively search through. <laughs> Yeah, there, it's actually this real, there's uh, there's a couple of them, but my favorite is called Open Source Shakespeare. And it's like the best thing ever because you can search every one of his works by keyword. So like if you just decide one day that you want to wake up and, and know how many times the word, you know, hand appears in the Shakespearean canon, you can look up the word hand across all of the the text. Or you can, you know, you can search by like show or whatever, which is like also really cool. Um, Cause then that way you can find it by like specific show. Um, if that's a thing that you want to do in your life. Um, I use it a lot for grad school um, because sometimes you just need to know like how many times does the word hand appear in Titus Andronicus? And the answer is 58. Oh, I just wrote down a fun segment idea would be for me to th to think of words and then ask you how many times you think they appear in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 
No, that one, that's the one that I know for a fact is 50, is 58. Um, but what, yeah. What's the most interesting occurrence of the word hand that you can think of? In Shakespeare? Not in general, we don't have that amount of time. Uh, I think my favorite is, there's a really sick pun where he goes, they're talking about getting the, his hand chopped off. And then he goes, oh, handle not the theme to talk of hands. And Caesar's like, handle not the theme to talk of hands? Like, it's just, real. it's really good. It's some very clever wordplay. It is. That is insanely clever wordplay. Because the word is yeah. insane. It's, that's, our, that's our first segment. It's Katie rants about Shakespeare. You have two minutes to rant about Shakespeare. Go. Also, I know you've dropped this a couple times and I've deliberately not asked you because I wanted to record your answer. One, because I think other people are curious. But two, but all cause, also because I'm going to forget. Right. Uh, finish that sentence. Yes. That was, I knew I was going to put it. What, what, so you have two master's degrees, right? Yes. What's up with that? Um, well, <laughs> I have two master's degrees. The first one is in, um, it's a master of letters in Shakespeare. And then, so A to Z, I know them all. Uh, I worked really <laughs> hard to learn the alphabet. Um, and then uh, the second one is uh, master of fine arts in Shakespeare in performance. So the very pretentious and silly way of saying it is that I'm basically qualified to teach Shakespeare page or stage. Um, like I studied it linguistically and textually and rhetorically. And then I also know a lot about it just in terms of being a performer and getting to say the words, which is my favorite part. So that's I, something that I always noticed when I saw Shakespeare performed is that it seems like a lot of the actors wanted to it's like they kind of wanted to impress the audience with how well they had memorized the, the, the words by saying them really fast. Mm -hmm. And that always bothered me because that's the whole like, that's the whole thing about like, you know, his meter and everything like that is it's just audit like it's just sounds good. If you didn't speak English, it still like sounds pleasant, like the way that mm -hmm. the words flow. And that always really frustrated me. Um, that was the, the sort of like approved, like I say that because like there's a lot of different schools of thought, um, but the sort of approved um, like length of time is that for every every 20 lines of text in Shakespeare should take you about a minute. That is the speed at which you're supposed to you're supposed to do Shakespeare. How did that, how did that come about? It's like, because if you uh, this is that's a great question. Um because if you <laughs> I like how this is just now an interview. Um let me like Eric interviews Katie about Shakespeare. Um but if you if you look at like the original sources and, and stuff like that um, and if you lean kind of heavily into two hours traffic of our stage, um, which is probably pretty close to like what they were going with, maybe a little bit longer, um, but you can get through most of Romeo and Juliet in about two and a half hours if you are going at uh, about 20 lines per minute. And so... The, so sorry, so, so the idea was to keep the show a set duration? Or a reasonable... I don't think that. I think what it was is like, you know, because like Hamlet is really long. Like, like even at 20 lines per minute, Hamlet is about three and a half hours. But Romeo and Juliet is one of his like mid-length plays. But in that text, there is, there is that specific line about the two hours traffic of our stage. And so some scholars 
really kind of have taken that to heart and said, okay, like if it's two hours ish, we'll say two hours ish, which is about two and a half hours ish. Um, how can, what, what would that take? And it's 20 lines per minute. And the thing that I like about it is that 20 lines per minute is like, you still have time to get the words out and have them be understood, but you're not doing like to be or not to be like, you know, it, there's, there's like a, a clip to it and there's an urgency to it um, that I think is really cool. So, so what, what's the line, the line from Hamlet that you just brought up? Um, two and a half hours trapped to stay. I, I wish I could. That's from, that's from Romeo and Juliet. It's, um, oh God, now I'm going to have to look it up because I'm, hate being put on the spot with Shakespeare. It's like, oh, you don't have it all memorized. You have every, um, two households, both like indignity and fair Verona, where we lay our scene. Um, well, it's two hours traffic of our stage. That's the end of it, but I can't remember. Uh, hold on. Now I'm going to look it up because it's going to drive me insane. Crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's and not could remove, is now the two hours traffic of our stage. The wish, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. That's what it is. I'm sorry, Katie, that was, um, I think that was about 16 lines a minute. <laughs> so, I have at least one of those master's degrees back, please. Yeah, that's true. That's, like, that was actually, I'm going to argue that point because that was, precisely the right the right <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> part of me was like all right i'm gonna give you shit about that just because you know it's fun it's a little math joke it's kind of a literature joke but i also knew that you probably had us pretty like a solid understanding of exactly what that sounds like i was you know it's i mean you're not wrong you're just inaccurate there's a difference any quotes real quick uh, well, that your the the section that is your section on my whiteboard is is now full. I I, I need to get a, a a new I need to get. Well, so this used to be this big rectangular section, and I cut out this section here, so that right. it fit by my desk, but I didn't have to move my pegboard, which is just mm -hmm. a nightmare to move. Um, so I actually do have a reasonably, well, I have an, uh, an unallocated section of whiteboard that I sort of just put somewhere, but it, it doesn't have a specific purpose. I got my my mobile whiteboard that has like this little holder on it for the thing. So like this is, I can take around and then this is my primary, this is my main squeeze because I'm at my desk. I can just, my desk used to be here. So I could like write on it like that, which is the best. But anyways, you need, you, you're, I think you're, you, you and this and all is, is at the point where I think it deserves its own whiteboard. <laughs> You can also use whiteboard marker on your window, so. It, oh, fuck. You're right. <laughs> oh, God. Did I just ruin your life? Uh, oh, it works so well. I, uh, so a lot of people have told me that, that they use their bathroom mirror and they use their, their mirrors. And every time I read that, I like deliberately just perish the, the thought from my brain. <laughs> Because once I know that, it's just over. Like, I'm just gonna start, one, all my windows and mirrors are gonna be covered in whiteboard stuff. But then the natural next thought is what else can be used as a whiteboard thing? And so then I'm just gonna ruin my entire life with things written on whiteboard. I'm gonna write on my computer. I'm gonna write on my like little jars. First, there's a, it's glass, you know, look at that. There it is, and you can erase it. Mason jars, valid whiteboard, there it is. 
It's open. The Pandora's box is open. It's open. If you, what if you like got mason jars and then you like painted the inside white and then that way you could write on the outside and you could see it because it would be up against the white paint on the inside. That would be cool, but I feel like the reason I would want to write something on a mason jar would be to label what's inside of it temporarily. And or, in that case, it would also be beneficial to see what's inside of it because why wouldn't you? That's valid. That's valid. That's a valid point. Didn't think about that. I was thinking more for like Pinteresty, like you know when you like do the thing where you like hang the the mason jar like up on your wall and you're like, mm, here's where my cotton balls go on my Q-tip. <laughs> my like, little, uh, I, uh, one of the best use for mason jars in that that like is Pinterest worthy because it, it because it has nothing to do with it wasn't it was done strictly functionally, is if you take the cap of a mason jar and you have like um, let's say you had like a shelving unit in a shop, you uh-huh. can through um the cap the top the lid of the mason jar to the bottom of it and then take this and go shoot and screw it in like a light bulb so that they hang like under the thing okay back up best thing i've ever seen very it was was very pinned like i hate now that i've thought of that like that is that that would do really well on pinterest because it was done in like the shop of a of a person i really respect and i was like wow that's evidence of his genius <laughs> Pinterest, like a whole section of my brain is going to explode. Eric, our um, our producer is telling us that we have to move on. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I wanted. To, I actually did. So, uh, how did you get that? You got diagnosed way later than I did. I got diagnosed twice. Um, once when I was. 15. Did you really? Yeah. Well, I yeah. Well, so I got diagnosed once when I was fifteen, and then again when I was. 22 I think uh-huh. um, yeah I'm 26 now um and they were very different experiences like when I was 15 I got diagnosed um well for one I like I, I kind of knew because my dad has very bad ADHD and one thing we know about it is that there's a strong genetic component um and my dad has like obvious ADHD <laughs> like it's it's very clear um and it's awesome he's rad um uh I was, I, just, I, was, I was just gonna say like, he did this graphic and have the boo, like, and it's gonna be the, the, the magic show graphic that he's gonna do. Yes. Um, I'm so excited for it. So sweet. Um, but yeah, so I, I always kind of knew. And so getting diagnosed was just basically, I mean, frankly, it was, it was, it was because I wanted to just get, I mean, get medicated. I wanted to do, to do something in, in my brain, like getting medicated was, was the answer um, because I was, like 15 was sort of the point where like I, this is going to be the most pretend, but, but like I intellectually sort of like woke up and was like, oh shit, the stuff we talk about in, in school is like awesome, you know, which is not to say that it hadn't happened before, but I, but I sort of, it all sort of came together where I realized like, oh my gosh, the stuff that is around me is super interesting. And it's my whole job just to learn it. Like, that's what I'm like, that's what it's here for is for me to like learn it. And if yeah. I do well at learning it and can prove it, then I get to learn even more crazier, awesome stuff, like in just, whoa. And so it started to be like where I really wanted to study. I really wanted to do the reading and wanted to do the homework. Um, and I always sort of figured that I could focus if I wanted to. Um, I just didn't want to, so I didn't. And um, so when we would do like a portion of the reading of, of something in book, and then they would say like, all right, your homework is to finish. And so I'd go home and try to fit, like it just couldn't happen. Um, which, and it's a weird, I mean, if you, if to, to those watching, um, if you have ADHD or a company, you have ADHD, you're familiar with the feeling of, 
of just the, the like, it's like your brain is vibrating and well, it's sort of, it's think of like a, a washing machine or a dryer that's on the spin cycle and, and it's like, and it's imbalanced. There's like something off in it. So it goes like that, like that. That was for the visual effect. Um, that's kind of what it feels like. We're like, I wanted to do the reading and I would, I would start reading, but the more like, as I was like, okay, and focus now, my brain just started and like, oh, I had to go, oh, oh, God, oh, poof. And like, do a thing or whatever, like go to the other room and get a snack or like, oh. and I would go, okay, now, okay, seriously this time. And I would sit down and then like, and, and oh. um, like even just think about it now, it's like, oh my gosh. And the frustration of really wanting to focus, but being seemingly constitutionally incapable of doing it was, um, I mean, it was frustrating for immediate reasons that I wanted to do the thing that I wanted, that I was doing. Um, but also, I mean, there was, there was, and absolutely still is, um, just a really terrifying sense of powerlessness, um, of, of, of helplessness. Yeah. And, and, and get, and, and realizing that this is something that I couldn't control. There's this, like, I can't control this. I can't, all the years where I was like, oh, I could totally focus on that. I just don't want to. That had been shattered. Now it's like, oh, I can't focus just constitutionally. <laughs> like, even, yeah. no matter, even if I want to. And so that just scared me to the point where I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I always knew that ADHD existed. Anyways, so um, yeah, I got diagnosed to, like, to start the process of fixing that. Um, but did when you, how did you, but you were 15 though. And this is something that I, I don't know if you get this question a lot, but I get this question a lot from people who watch me on TikTok is, I'm 13, I'm 14, I'm 15. I don't know how to have a conversation with my parents. I'm too embarrassed to talk to my doctor. Like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. Like, how did you go about it? Like, did you just talk to your parents about it? Did, did your parents notice? Like, how did, how did that go down? Do you remember? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, so the story is, um, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be real honest about it. Um, but the story is I um, got an Adderall from a friend of mine um, and I, didn't this and this was after I had that that moment slash those moments slash that whole period of like freaking out realizing I'm like oh my god you know the, the reason I haven't been focusing this whole time is not because I didn't want to it's because like uh, it seems that I can't um yeah so this was after like during that time um I uh one of my friends just offhandedly I won't say his name but he was, he was I mean he was doing it to get high definitely like, no question um, and he kind of thought it was cool that he was doing it to get high. So anyways, he was very uh, vociferous about it. Um, and so I heard that he had it and I, I use every excuse to use that word. Um, and so I, I heard that he had it. And so I was like, I, can I? <laughs> and the answer, so I got some from him and I took it and um, it was way too much. Of course it was, cause I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It was, um, I won't use numbers cause I don't want I, I, I'm genuinely, I don't want to influence anybody to do or not do it like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good idea to do it this way. But I think it's <laughs> no. also important. I think it's really important to acknowledge that like for a lot of people, that is their introduction to how Adderall works is they get it illegally. They get it from somebody else. And like, that's okay. But like, you don't want to do it for that very reason. Like, that's yeah. why it's dangerous is because it comes in all different 
you know, dosages and all different like extended release and quick release and all of that stuff. And so it's like, you need to make sure that you're talking to your doctor, but like in this moment, it's fine. Cause you're telling a story. Like this is what actually happened. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't ex- state, I don't like explicitly enough that like, this, don't do this. <laughs> don't do, do not, do, do not, not do it. Do not do this. Um, just don't do it. <laughs> I, I want to sit here and like, think of like a whole, like, lecture for why you shouldn't but just don't um don't just don't do it thing you do in terms of medication should be through your doctor and the proper channels um but that being said this is what happened um yeah so we got it from my friend it was too much um and i took it and i took it in the morning before school like i did like enough research to like find out how much how long it would take to kick in should i eat before it like because i was doing it to see what would happen for <laughs> like i mean this this is the thing that treats the thing that is like, I mean, I could, I can't over, overstate how much I was sort of freaking out. Um, I mean, not like, I wasn't like tr- throwing over tables, but like internally I was like, oh my gosh, like all of the things that I want to do with my life are now completely called into question. Because now I know that no matter how much I want to do it, I still probably won't be able to focus when, it, when, it, when the time comes to do whatever. Um, which was, I mean, was just a shattering thought, just a shattering thought to, to my like understanding of myself and my my ego not like my ego yeah. like haha look at me although sure um but just like my sense of self and what, what i was up to um so anyways this was like just just you know i was doing research that you shouldn't do you should go through your doctor you can do all this with your doctor and it's do that but anyways so i was doing this to you know see um and so anyways i took it uh, about a half an hour before my first class and um and i so i walked in I walked into class it was german class um and i just remember sitting there and it was just kind of quiet like it was it's it perhaps it's cliche to say a fog cleared but it was just kind of quiet like there was just like what what's happening there like oh we're discussing you know uh, conjugation oh interesting like all of a sudden it was just like oh hello like holy like the i did i didn't really care like i was aware it's not like i was dead like i was aware of what was going on but it was just like what's this um and it i mean it was uh i don't know i mean it it it, my i'm 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 using a friend i'm borrowing this phrase from somebody else who had a similar experience but it felt kind of like i was meeting myself for the first time um which is not something I subscribe to fully. That's not to say that like my medicated self is my truest self or anything like that, because I haven't thought about it that much, but, but or enough, I guess. But it was like, wow, the things that I want to focus on, I can't focus on, um, which was just incredible. Um, like I could, and then I went to like, uh, my next class was painting. Um, and we would do like four days a week of act, like we would be painting and then one day a week of studying art history and stuff which I've always found fascinating, but I've never been able to like sit and read a book about it or like watch a lecture on it. It was just sort of like, I would listen to 15 seconds of something before I got in, uninterested and like turn to something else. But I sat there and I was like, whoa, like Cezanne's cool, you know? And like, I got to listen to the, to the whole thing. And I still remember things we learned in that class today. Um, but then as you know, it was too much. So, you know, uh, amphetamines work by uh, 
raising your tonic dopamine levels in your head to regular levels by either increasing the rate at which it's secreted or decreasing the rate at which it's reuptook into your brain, which I think you know, but sure. Um, so let's say it. Um, for the viewers at home. For the viewers at home. Um, and so for a time, while it was sort of kicking in, those dopamine levels reached regular levels. Um, and then after that, they reached higher than average levels, which is what people who don't have ADHD, that's what it does to them all the time because their dopamine levels are already normal. And so if they take ADHD meds, it's raising their dopamine levels to unnaturally high levels. Um, so for me, low dopamine, then as it was kicking in, there was a period of like regular dopamine levels and then elevated dopamine levels. Um, <clears throat> and I, at that point, I, I mean, I wasn't, like, like I didn't get hyperactive, it was just in my head, but I was sort of like, suddenly unable to focus on things and suddenly just like too interested in everything. And it's like, it was, it was sort of weird. It was like this reversal. Like there was this moment where I was like, whoa, and then, whoa, and then, you know, which is a whole thing, which is another, I mean, another reason why the only, the way to do this is in a controlled measured setting. Um, the, the ways that, you know, yep. ADHD medications are different than like illicit amphetamines is that like illicit amphetamines, illegal amphetamines, they just crank up the, the dopamine excretion of your brain like all the way, or they completely close off the rate of which, it, and so you just go, whoa. Whereas ADHD meds do it in a very delicate measured way. If you take it in a delicate measured way, that's like the whole thing. And so <clears throat> anyways, at that point, I really like, oh, sh there, there's something to this, but also this can go really wrong. Um, and then the crash I had later that day was, this was November 9th, 2009. I remember the day. It was a fucking weird day. How bad it was. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so that's how I got Medicaid when I was 15. Um, and the, the, the diagnosis process was um, extensive because they don't want to just give those meds to, to underage people willy-nilly. At least they didn't. This was 10 years ago too. So um, things may have changed for people that age. I'm not that age anymore. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, they, it was an extensive process. Uh, yeah. You got medicated when you were 32. I didn't mean to date. But no, when I was 30. 30. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and mine was like the least not complicated process ever. And I think it's probably because I was like an adult, you know? Um, right. But like, I, I mean, mine, it was actually really kind of similar to you a little bit, but basically like I, I was in a, I was in, I was working for a Shakespeare company and they were doing three shows in rep and I had been cast as a lead in every single one of the shows don't want to brag um, but with Shakespeare if you're a lead you have a fuck ton of lines like that's just that's just the nature of the beast the, the bigger your part the more you talk except if you're playing Lavinia but I'll rant about that later um and so basically like I I was just I was really stressed out. I was in this really like weird transitory period of my life anyway. Cause like I had just moved. I was, I was not even married at the time. I was, I was in the process of getting married and we were like planning a wedding from like long distance. And it was just, my life was a mess and I was like just falling apart around me. And I was just watching everything crumble. Um, and then I was like, I, I remember very vividly, I don't remember the date like you, but like, I just, I sat down and I was like, okay, here I go. I'm going to memorize my lines. And like, I read the first line. I was like, okay, first line memorized. Great. Then I went to memorize the second line and I was like, second line memorized. Great. Let's put them together. And I was like, wait, what was the first line? 
And I was like, huh, weird. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I, and then five and a half hours later, I was still working on the same monologue. And so I just had this very real moment where I was like, it is three weeks until the show. I don't know any of my lines. Like I'm, I'm fucked. Like, and it was, it was, it was fear. And it was like this very real, very profound fear of like, this isn't just like, oh no, I'm going to get a bad grade on a test. Like this is my professional reputation. This is what I do for my job. This is the thing that I have learned and dedicated my life to and I define myself by, and it is my, my pride and, and the thing that I love most in the world, and I can't do it. My brain is not letting me do it. And that was terrifying. Um, now, luckily, um, I have, I always feel bad when people ask me this question because my story is so I don't even want to say privileged, but it's, it's, I mean, it is privileged because I have, you know, access to medical care and stuff, but it's also just like fortuitous because like, I literally called up like the first psychology group in the area because I was still new to the area. I didn't know the good ones or the bad ones. Called up the first one. They were like, yeah, yeah, we totally got an appointment next couple of days. Come on in. And I was like, great. And I went in and I was really nervous, right? Because I don't know if you have this experience, but, but, and I don't want to speak for all women, but I think a lot of women who have dealt with medical problems have this sort of like internalized trauma about like being believed or being perceived as like drug seekers or like that kind of thing. Um, and I had literally just come off of a, like a huge medical emergency. Like I had just gone in for surgery. Like it was just like, my life was a mess. And so I went in and I basically was like, um, so I have trouble focusing and paying attention. And I realized like, as I was talking, I was downplaying, like I was apologizing for being there. I was downplaying my experience. I was downplaying my symptoms. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's not like a big deal, except that like, I have a little bit of trouble, like memorizing my life. And, and I, and I had this very profound memory of like my doctor who is amazing and she also has ADHD and she is like experienced the same thing. And she looked at me and she goes, it really sounds like you have like very valid concerns. Are you sure that you're not downplaying because you're embarrassed about how much they're affecting your life? And I went, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Badass. And, and so that was, and so that's why I say like, I got really lucky was because not only did I find a doctor who believed me, but I found a doctor who is around my age, who was also like a gifted and talented student, who has had many of the same life experiences as me, who also was diagnosed with ADHD much later in life, who got through grad school, who got through medical school. And so she, I think, really understood, like, you can be super successful and have your life falling apart around you. You can be super put together. You can have your life together. You can have the shiniest social media account ever, but if you can't memorize your lines and it's fucking up your life, then that's still a valid concern, you know? Um, so yeah. And then I got, I took like a, a couple of tests. It took about three hours, I think. Um, and it was like just little like paper, like little paper tests. It was like, well, do you occasionally experience this? And I was just like, yeses all the way down, you know? 
Um, and then they called me on my 30th birthday and they were like, Hey, we got your test results. Like we've evaluated it. We really think that, you know, it looks like you probably have ADHD and, and, um, <laughs> depression. And I was like, no shit. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, so I got, uh, medicated and it took about six months to get my meds like figured out. Um, it was like a weird six months, but, um, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's, that's my story. What were the what were the the the, the paper tests like? So because as as far as I understand, were like the common the, cur the current way of, of of diagnosing ADHD is there two sets of nine questions, one for hyperactivity and one for uh, inattentiveness. And if you get five of either one, then you qualify. Um, were, was that what happened? Is that the test? Those are those the tests that you took? Third tries a charm. Oh, mine mine were a lot longer. Mine were like. I think the first one was, the first one was uh, like, it was a type of test where they don't specifically tell you what they are testing for, but if you know anything about every anything and you use your critical thinking skills, you can sort of like ascertain what they're screening for. Like so the first one I, yeah, so the first one I took was like a depression, anxiety, and then they screened me for autism, and then they screened me for ADHD. So it went in that order. But like, mine were all very much like, I mean, it was kind of just like the DSM checklist. Like, it was just questions, but it was like, <clears throat> do you, you know, like, do you have trouble paying attention? Yes. Like, if yes, like, how, how much? Like, how much does it affect your life? Like, that kind of thing. And it was just kind of like, I think it was all like one to five, you know, it was like always, you know, most of the time, never like that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I did. I think the depression one had like 25 questions. I think the autism one had like maybe, God, I don't remember. It was longer. I want to say it was like 50 questions. And then the ADHD one was, it was honestly kind of short. I think it was like 15 or 20. And it was just like, I was just like, yes, like every single box. Like, yeah. It's to the point where like then I started like second guessing myself right because it's like when you answer yes on like every single thing I don't know if you've ever had this experience but then I was like oh my god they're gonna look at this and just like know that I looked it up beforehand and I know the right answer to say and then they're gonna think that I'm drug seeking even more because I answered yes to everything so like should I answer yes to everything like maybe I should answer like sometimes sometimes just to like make sure that like and I was just like yeah. why is this how my brain works we've we've we i think we've created content i think i think i mean i'm personally grateful and that you have like that i've heard you say the things that you've said and, and i found them very interesting and all that but i was just thinking it's kind of funny that like i think it's gonna it's i think it's perhaps just never gonna be a part of this podcast that we're gonna have like a segment that begins and then it ends. Oh, not at all. No, no, like, it's never going to happen. And now it's over. Like, it's, no, here's the, the model of the segments. It looks like we start here mm. and then it's like, in, like just splinters. And it's just, that's how, that's how this works. Yeah. Like that's just the inherent truth is like, look, we're never going to get to the end of the thing because there is no end to the thing because it's an infinite <laughs> title card. <laughs> Ah, that was nice. dabbing. Are we still dabbing on it? I don't think I don't know if that's a thing. I I, I, I was going like, like um, I thought you were like dabbing on it, but I've been informed that dabbing on it is not cool anymore. But I'm bummed because I I really liked an ironic dab. Like I just thought 
it was really funny just every time <laughs> I actually dabbed during my last Shakespeare show I would just like come on stage and dab or in 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 character in character I was also supposed to do the the one the 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 what's it called the threat like the threading one what's it called oh flossing flossing that's what it's called I was supposed to floss and they had like the director literally like brought in her like seven-year-old daughter to teach me how to floss and I was like what I don't understand what is happening the three count it's one two three one two three one I could not do it I'm the worst dancer like I'm a mover not a dancer and I can barely move because I have no spatial awareness around my body because I have body dysmorphia. And uh, so I'm a terrible dancer. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, oh God, I have to floss. And I just couldn't figure it out. This eight-year-old's looking at me like I'm uh, just an idiot. It was pretty great. Did you eventually learn how to do it? I did. And then I dropped out of the show, the end. <laughs> can, you, can you still do it? Can I still floss? Probably not. Make your dentist proud. I also am aware that you have very strong incentive to lie and say that you can't, even if you can. I know. So, I, that, that was a trap. That was absolutely a trap. Well, you know where I was going. I want to see you do it. If you can do it, I can't. I'm not going to floss for you, Eric. I'm not going to floss for you. I'll do Shakespeare for you. I'll do, I'll go, I will fucking slum it and and do Marlowe for you but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna floss for you my friend I draw the line I gotta draw the line somewhere I'm trying to figure out like I'm trying to like assemble like a vector or a spectrum between doing Shakespeare and flossing because you like draw the line somewhere all right so what where what 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 is there's a lot there's a lot in between is it is it is it a a time-based thing is it too current of a trend or is it too ridiculous of a thing i don't know i don't know there's there's a lot to consider <laughs> and what is at the what is at the end of either end of the spectrum if it is a spectrum of ridiculousness a scale of ridiculousness like i also feel like there's like a like spectrums within spectrums because like i'm definitely willing to like drop like midsummer or titus or charles and like any any time but like if you were like do some leer i'd be like nah <laughs> Could you do the, um, the uh, from Hamlet the I knew him Horatio? Uh, I knew him Horatio. He's a fellow of infinite jest. That one. Yes. Is that it? Is that all you want? No, I, I want to I know as much as I want to hear as much as you can do. Uh, last poor Yorick. Uh, I knew him. No shit. Um, I should know more of this. The last poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio, a fellow of infinite jest, of most excellent fancy. Why, many times I used to ride upon his back. That's not right at all. It's not even close to right. It's fine. Um, now I'm going to look it up because I don't know. Well, I was thinking just now, uh, I think it'd be cool if you and I, during each episode, not even really as a segment, but just we at, at some point during the episode, or perhaps we edited them and put just recited a thing that we like and would like people to hear. Okay, mm-hmm. I like that. Because I I fucking love reading aloud because it's it's frankly one of the only ways that I can like consistently read is because like I have to maintain where I am if I'm saying it out loud. Um, but also they're they're like poems and th- things that I read all the time that like I could not fucking imagine my life without and like you know to be able to 
I think that'd be cool. Okay, so that's our first segment. Time for poetry reading with Eric. <laughs> Am I supposed to go now? I, I mean, I don't know. We've never done this before. It's up to you. You can put it wherever. Well, I'll do one that I've memorized because I want to seem really cool and interesting. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, I'll go, I guess. This is, um, this is The Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to crawl on your knees for a thousand miles through the desert repenting. You only must let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are flying home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over again announcing your place in the family of things. That's the end of the poem.